0: You are listening to the Local Hearted Podcast, episode number eight, with pastel artist Elise Oakrand. Welcome to the Local Hearted Podcast. I'm Meredith Adler and I am your host. Join me as we get to know the people who create the wide variety of art in Asheville and in the mountain counties of Western North Carolina. We'll also talk with some of the people who create opportunities for our local artists and help them shine. Meredith here, and thank you for being here and choosing to listen to another episode of the Local Hearted Podcast. I really appreciate your interest in the art of Asheville and WNC and in hearing from the artists themselves. I know how busy everyone is these days, which makes me truly appreciate that you are here listening. I have tried to make it easier for you to listen by providing download links under the audio players at localhearted.com. So you can download and take the show with you on the road. The show can also be downloaded from iTunes, and you can find the link at localhearted.com connect. If you prefer to listen to the show on another podcast directory, such as Stitcher, please contact me via the website and let me know, and I will move that task higher up on my to-do list. I have been receiving inquiries as to how to become a guest on the show, so I thought I would take a moment to address that here. First, to put the show in perspective, I want you to know that I worked on the show for more than a year before I released it, so most of the artists you are hearing from now on Local Hearted have been waiting months, sometimes many months, for their episodes to be released. The people you are hearing from now and will continue to hear from in the immediate next few months are people I was personally familiar with before I started this show. That makes sense, right? That I would ask people I know to be interviewed? And some of the interviews I will be airing are actually of people that weren't necessarily looking to get any publicity for their art, but were allowing me to interview them as a favor to me, to help me get some practice conducting artist interviews and using my recording gear. Later, I listened to those interviews and thought there was a lot of value in them. So I went back to those artists and asked them to let me run their shows. And they were good enough to say yes. So I'm very excited that you're going to hear some of those interviews. Okay, so you've got that part. I've been talking so far to people I know. And as I mentioned in my first episode, I have also been taking referrals from the artists I have already interviewed and following those threads. Okay, all that being said, besides talking to people I know and people they know, how does someone get on the show now? Uh, First, I do want to say at this point, I really don't have a submission process. There are also no requirements other than being a WNC artist. If you are an artist living in WNC, you're already eligible. You don't have to have credentials. I'm not in any way asking for a degree in art or any kind of resume. Really, what I care about is your story. The other thing I care about is I think I need to have a certain verbal rapport with an artist in order to be able to help them tell their story. Obviously, I am willing to ask the right questions to help the artist share their story, but I do need the artist to be able to meet me halfway. I don't think it would make for a very listenable interview for me to have to pull teeth to drag a story out of a guest. So, the only real way I can know for sure about this verbal rapport thing is to meet you and get to know you. And since we are coming up on the holiday season... That will be a great time for me to get around and meet more artists at your holiday shows. Some of the shows will make their way into my awareness on their own, but please do feel free to contact me and let me know what events you will participate in between now and the end of the year. I will do my best to attend as many events as possible, but I also do seriously need to ask for your understanding in advance because I know I will not be able to attend everything I would like to attend. Between my full-time job and producing this show, I have a very busy schedule. In fact, I sometimes find myself, quote, borrowing from my sleep in order to get the show to you. So I will hope to meet as many of you as possible in the coming months. But like I said, I do appreciate your understanding. Meanwhile, if enough of you do send me information about your holiday events, I will create a page for them on localhearted.com so we can all see what is upcoming on one page on the web. Another way to connect with me, I hang out as much as I can on the Facebook group called Asheville Artists Network, and the URL is www.facebook.com slash groups slash groups. Asheville art scene. It is a closed group, so you have to ask to join, uh, but if you're a WNC artist, I think that you will be added to the group. The group was started by Ian Brownlee in February 2016 and already has over 500 members. Ian, I hope I am pronouncing your name correctly, and if you are hearing this, I want to thank you for forming and moderating this group. You are providing a tremendous resource for the local artist community. I hope I get to meet you sometime too. One announcement before we get to this week's interview. I want to make sure everyone remembers that on October 22nd, from 11 to 4 o'clock, Leo Monaghan has a show opening at the Grovewood Gallery in Asheville, North Carolina. If you recall, Leo is the artist interviewed in episode number three. He makes sculptures out of cut and folded paper. And my understanding is that this show, he will be showing his white on white work, which is really worth seeing. So I hope some of you can make it out to that reception. My guest this week is Asheville artist Elise Oakrand, who paints in pastel, mostly landscapes with the intention of inspiring a feeling of peace, healing, and serenity in the viewer. If you listen to this episode, you will hear Elise talk about examples of how her work has succeeded in doing just that. To further the effort, you will also hear Elise talk about how a collaboration with her husband, Phil Okrend, resulted in their writing a book, Messages to the Heart, Reflections of Beauty and Truth which combines her healing pastel landscapes with his mindful philosophy that he derived from his years as a business and life coach. You will also hear that this episode is actually a couple of conversations put together. When I listened to my first recording of Elise, I became intrigued by the fact that she and Phil have their own greeting card company called Mixed Blessing, specializing in interfaith and multicultural holiday cards, which are Elise's designs. Elise graciously agreed to take time from her busy schedule and meet with me a second time to discuss how they got Mixed Blessings started and how they manage it today, plus advice for others interested in starting their own greeting card company. Gracious, I think, is a fitting word to describe this artist. You will hear how open she is to visitors to her studio, and how she even invites other artists wanting to start a greeting card company to contact her personally. So please feel free to connect with Elise at her working studio in the Wedge Building at the River Arts District of Asheville, North Carolina. I do have to say that I learned something the hard way from doing this episode. The first time I went to Elise's studio to record, there was a machine on in her studio, and I don't remember if it was a fan or a refrigerator, but it was quite noisy, and I've done all I can electronically to remove the noise from the background, but it is still noticeable in the audio when we speak, and a little uncomfortable to listen to until you kind of get used to it. I hope that doesn't stop you from listening, because... She has some amazing things to say. And in the second part, we did turn that machine off. So when we discuss her card business, I think you'll hear a difference in the sound. And please join me now in welcoming Elise Oakrand to the show. So, Elise, thank you so much for joining me on the Local Hearted Podcast today. I really appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to hear you talk about your art today.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you having me. You're welcome.
0: And when I say here, we are at Elise's studio in the River Arts District, and I'll let you tell exactly where we are, where your studio is.
1: Sure. Um, We're in the Wedge Studios, and um, it's an amazing place. It's on 129 Robert Street um, in the heart of the River Arts District.
0: Great. And could you tell a little bit about how your studio is set up? Because you have an interesting setup. You kind of have two different spaces here.
1: Yeah. So um, this particular um, space is is considered a gallery and also a working studio. And we have it sort of separated where um, I share my space with um, two other artists. Uh, We show um our um our wares and our arts in um one space and then we have a a true working studio where we create um a join to the gallery area okay
0: so the gallery is for your guests and the studio space is where you create your work or you let people come through your studio too
1: i am very very open and i think we've all agreed about um about that that we should be an open uh, studio space so i love when people walk through and they see me create they see how i use my pastels they see my sources my photos that i'm working from and, um, and then they're free to just, you know, quietly watch or they can ask any number of questions <laughs> that, you know, that come up, you know, come up for them. And for me, it's just an amazing process of, you know, educating people about what I do, um, and also just for interaction to make me feel like what I'm doing is, um, really, um, validated um by their responses. Um and that there uh a lot of people are just in amazement about artists and how we create and they're just not exposed to that um in other places. So I think it's a truly unique uh, you know, sort of experience for both of us to mm-hmm. be able to do that.
0: Yeah. Right? You're giving them a chance to get to know really how an artist works and they are giving you an experience of instant feedback it sounds like oh yeah instant
1: feedback totally totally um uh i'd say most people that walk in are verbal so they're just going um and 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 expressing either their um their admiration for what, for what I'm doing, or, you know, I sometimes even get comments like, Oh, you know, this could be the, you know, maybe look this way or, you know, did you try this? Sometimes, you know, people will, will ask, um, a lot of the questions that come up for me, with pastels because it is not as popular per se a medium as others is you know what substrates am i using so what kind of paper am i using what pastels am i using how do i get this type of effect mm-hmm. and um yeah it's 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 fun yeah it's really a lot of fun you can be an ambassador for pastels in your oh, totally. studio
0: that's great so let's talk let's back up a little bit um Let me let you describe your work. If you could do that, I I could do that, but I'm sure you could do a better job of that.
1: Sure. Um, My work is really um, inspired by the natural world. Uh, What drew me to Asheville was the natural beauty of this area. Um, And I think that all my paintings um, try to bring that, Factor into um, into play, and also sort of. I would say they um, they have a sense of healing, a sense of peace, a sense of serenity that uh, I will express using color and using different um, different ways of handling the pastel. So, it, uh, a lot of my favorite subjects are clouds or mist especially around here, that that morning mist and those low-lying clouds are just so inspiring for me. I also love um, water reflections. Um, And with that, I I just want to bring that all in and um, just have people look at my work and go, ah, you know, sort of get this sense of deep breath within them and a sense of um, that, uh, you know, everything is all right, you know. Life, life, Life can be, you know. Just, just all right, you know, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful, um, for me, it's a wonderful and rewarding, rewarding thing to see people like just respond to that.
0: So you've been successful in achieving that response when people come to your studio.
1: Totally. Totally. I think people all, um, are, um, are very taken by the color and the images and, um, the sense of what it brings to them and to them just to feel like um, that they're in a a safe, calm space with my work. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, it does. And we will talk more in a little bit about some responses you've had to your work and ways that you have put it out there to make it accessible, the healing of it and the inspiration and the well-being feeling that you're trying to inspire ways that you've put your work out there that are interesting and different right than some other people have um okay thank you so i guess let's uh talk about what how did you get your start have you always been a pastel painter or
1: did you do other things first um yes Um, many well actually my first start was in art i mean that was my true love from way back um i can always just remember like in kindergarten you know just painting and i had this one favorite um painting of the solar system that you know my mother treasured as well and sort of you know kept um kept uh bringing back um that that particular feeling for me in my life i mean she was very encouraging with my art and um was able to uh support it through classes when i was younger and um just knowing that it was something you know i really enjoyed so from that standpoint it really um was something i've been doing for my entire life uh when I went to college though I just thought I really had to be much more practical minded you know like mm-hmm. art like what do you do with art you know if you're painting you know what do you really um do as far as making a living so I actually started as a math major which oh was, wow <laughs> yeah which was a complete you know opposite end of the spectrum but um I was able to uh use you know sort of both sides of my brain so i always had the creative side that was there but i was more leaning towards the logical side and math and programming when i first started out and uh, it was really in college that i was able to um explore both and make you know sort of make that shift because i started out for the first two years in math, and I ended up, though, as an art major, and graduating with a degree <laughs> in fine art. Um, I loved it, but also exposed to the world of commercial art at school, and that seemed to be the natural path to go into, which was more advertising design, and you know, do that whole that whole thing um, uh, for business. And that's really, I got my start in advertising. My first, my first jobs were in um, both in advertising and design firms. And uh, learned all about design, uh, production work, printing, um, and at that time, you know, type and, um, and, and real, um, you know, creation of anything from brochures to all kinds of different um, uh, 3D, you know, stand up displays and whatnot. And it was a wonderful exciting career. Mm-hmm. Wonderful exciting career, but I always had um an inclination also that I wanted to do my own thing. And with that in mind, um I really was able to um form a greeting card company, which really happened by accident. It was a very fun um little accident, but I was designing cards just for the holiday season and stumbled across this amazing design combining a half star of david and a half christmas tree and the card was meant for both holidays at the time which which we were celebrating christmas and hanukkah Mm -hmm. and were meant for the really diverse family and friends that i had you know had accumulated over, over the years of being in, you know, an ethnic city like New York. So I started designing cards, more cards, like over the course of like a short time. And, you know, my husband sort of, sort of the spark of like what this could really be And it it, it turns out to be quite an interesting experience because we developed a card company. It's called, and we still to this day um, run the card company and operate it online. It's called Mixed Blessing. We cater all of our cards to dual families and multicultural families. So they can celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. They can celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, and Kwanzaa. They can celebrate winter solstice. They can celebrate multi religions multi you know ethnic groups um and we tried to give them just something that was representative of their family mm-hmm. and it 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 really was um an amazing thing for us. it totally allowed us to become independent business owners it allowed us to grow a business from you know working on our dining room table to servicing like major bookstore chains and major department stores over the course of the years. And then it also allowed us to develop a web business, Mm -hmm. which is the current form that it's in now. We have our online store and actually right now I'm in the middle of doing some new designs for the card business, but we'll go through and, um, and have another season this year starting in August of selling, you know, interfaith and multicultural greeting cards online. That's so great. it's, it, That's it was, great. it was quite, it allowed us, it really gave us a lot of freedom and a lot of um, choice mm-hmm. as a family, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. So, um, and a lot of business experience. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you
0: were able to leave the agencies because of your
1: what? card company. Exactly. Well, what we did was that we had to make a whole lifestyle change because we both had been working in jobs and um, and running the card business uh, in New York City. So in order to do that, what we what we thought would be really um, great would be to leave New York City, go to a lower cost of living um, location and then be able to just run the card business Mm -hmm. and live off of that. So we chose, at the time, um, Raleigh, North Carolina, which is how I got to North Carolina, and hence to also find Asheville. Um, And we lived in Raleigh for 20 years.
0: Okay. So that's where you were running your card company.
1: Exactly. That's where you were
0: able to make it happen.
1: Yes. We really were able to bring it to a bigger level and be able to live off of it, you know, Mm -hmm. successfully in Raleigh. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I I wanna bring you back to something you said. You mentioned that you stumbled upon this design. I just wanna clarify that was your design, right? Is that yeah. that's what you mean?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean I was just like, Oh, I need a cool card for these two people I know and my family and they both celebrate Christmas and some celebrate Hanukkah and, you know, I need to come up with something that would, you know, sort of blend the two together. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came up with the first design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then your husband is actually the mind who saw the potential. Totally. Yeah. You guys are quite a team.
1: <laughs> yes. We've collaborated on quite a few <laughs>
0: projects yes. over the years. Yeah, Quite a few. We will soon talk about <laughs> another one. So during all that time, were you doing your own fine art as well? Or Um, how did that come into play?
1: Not until um, probably about, uh, maybe about 10 years in, I started to decide that I needed to pick up my fine art again. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if there was a defining moment. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was just like, I was like missing it out of my life and I was having a little bit more time. The kids were getting older, and I was just feeling like, oh, it seems like a good time to start. Mm-hmm. And I went back to pastels because that had been one of my favorite um, mediums to use in college, and you know, af you know, when I was still working, um, uh, you know, in fine art uh, shortly after college. And I just, you know, I just went back to it. I don't even think I had any supplies, like that i could dig up i just had to start from scratch and just sort of recreate what i remember which was you know using a certain type of paper and then I, I picked up like just one brand of pastels and just just started to get accustomed to using it again and starting to develop like what i wanted to do with it and what i wanted to create was it
0: landscape from the very beginning
1: it was, I, I, I did, I, I, I did play around a little bit with some still lives and um, I did, you know, yeah, I, I think those two were really where I focused, but I was always drawn to just to, to landscapes mm-hmm. as a, you know, a whole. So when you work, are
0: you working from reference or are you working from imagination?
1: How, how do you work? most of most of all of my work comes from my eye and capturing it on a photograph. Mm-hmm. so um, I will go out anywhere and everywhere and and photograph. Uh, I like to use that that's actually a lot of times even where I set up the composition mm-hmm. unless I'm adding something or piecing two photographs together, which I'll do occasionally. I like a sky of one and then foreground of another. Um, I'll try to set up the composition, like, right in my photograph. Mm -hmm. Um, All all the time, there's always adjustments to be made, but um, that's my process. Everything goes onto my computer, and then I work from from my computer um, on the side of my easel and go from there.
0: Okay, so your photo in your computer is your reference. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Do you lose the reference at some point?
1: Yeah, I mean, at some point you like to like this particular piece um just for your reference um that I'm working on now is is a sky over Annapolis that had a lot less color mm-hmm. and A lot more intensity actually and i'm at the point where like i gotta have to close the computer screen and i just gotta go okay now what else do i need to um you know to put in here to make what i think would be like you know an amazing painting Mm -hmm. um also like you know just some of these like some of these scenes here um are Start out with a photograph, but like there were no three little birds mm-hmm. in, in this little creek scene. And in this particular scene, those, um, the mountains are a photograph that I, I, that I took, but the, the wildflowers in the foreground are totally fabricated mm-hmm. from different, even some of those are just photo resources that I just picked up. They're not that I, took, took the, myself mm-hmm. so yeah every you know so every so often um and more so than not you know I, I i can do that but this particular scene right here is is created exactly from the photo that i took mm-hmm. okay. and this, this is called the road, road to catalucci we just drove up there one day and i was like okay right, this is it i'm going to just paint from that and it was a fall day so it has the fall colors um but you know, obviously this bunch of interpretation in there after that, you know. So you to,
0: you will do what it takes to make the painting work,
1: is what you're saying. I oh, think.
0: If sure. If it's going to be a reference or there's going to be a time you're going to just take the painting and take it from that point forward. That yes. Is, yeah. Okay. And can you
1: talk more about what
0: you like about
1: pastels? Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, I love it because, well, first of all, I mean, the one fun thing about pastels is you can rub it out and start all over, mm-hmm. or you can work on top of something and, um, and shift it
0: mm-hmm. really
1: nice and easily. Right. So, so, um, yeah, so, you know, on, on certain pieces, certain pieces are a little, you know, are, are faster or easier, um, and don't require, as much adjustment but other pieces um you know uh, can can be quite challenging and the ease of using pastels for me in that sense is beautiful is really beautiful mm-hmm. the other thing is that for the mood that i like to create with my art like that that sense of um mistiness that sense of like the f- morning fog burning off pastels can offer you uh, an amazing, smooth transition from color to color that I don't think you can get in in any other medium. So that is why I'm so attracted to it, you know. It's the process
0: and the effect, it sounds like, for oh, you. Yeah. Okay. And I wonder, with pastel being your medium, it can be really hard for an artist to be working in an open studio and have people come in and want to talk. And I, I wonder if you think maybe your medium makes that more possible for
1: you. Um, I think it's just hard in general to do that because, you know, as an artist, um, you start working and you get into a flow of what you're doing. And it's like, you know, you want to get to like either a certain point or you're trying to work at a certain area of a piece. and the interruption is, can be disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that in this particular environment, you have to balance off. So a lot of times, I mean, I'll be working on a piece and I just know that if there's a, a you know, a flow of people, I'm only going to get so far. And sometimes I don't even feel like I, I, I you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just like, um, I, I'm just doing as much as I can at that time. And that I know that, well, it's five o'clock. I can close the door, and then I can work for another whatever hour, two hours, with uninterrupted, you know, flow time to get you know where I need to to be. Or, I mean, I the other thing that I I'm okay a, about doing is that I'm sort of good sometimes about shutting out around me what I need to. So, if people want to walk through here and go in there. And I'm just intent on doing something. And people can usually pick that up. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm really engrossed in what I'm doing and they see me, they might just stand behind me at the door and just watch. And Mm -hmm. if I don't turn to them or engage them, they'll either walk through into the gallery or, you know, down the hall through Mm -hmm. the gallery. To the other door. And they won't, you know, they'll see that, oh, okay, she's working and she's okay, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I show them, like, if I turn my head or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the moments, the moments are done, you know. So I think that you, you make, you know, you sort of have to make your adjustments. If you need, like, hours for some reason of quiet time, you're going to have to make that adjustment in your space. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's interesting that people can kind of, read your energy whatever you're putting out people can read it and that they respect it when they're in here
1: i found that um if i really yeah if i really just focus on what i'm doing that they they won't come up to me necessarily and say anything that Mm -hmm. they'll just watch and then and then you know and then walk on i mean if they you know if they want to engage in purchasing something or something they're usually very polite and come in and say you know i'd like to to purchase this but um yeah i think i think generally we have a really educated you know or at least courteous group coming through here and they know that this is w- where we're working mm-hmm. you know and they can be bubbling with energy but i think if um You know, if they know that you're specifically um, doing something and don't, you know, don't like either look up or, or, you know, want to engage, that they're very respectful of that, you know. And they just like to just take it in. They just want to see this, all this process happening and this creativity, and they're so excited. Right. It's wonderful. That's great. Yeah. That's
0: great. Thanks for sharing about that. And, um, this might be a good time to talk about your book, how that came about and what it's about. Can I let you take it from there?
1: Sure. Uh, the book is a really, really special project and, um, and piece that, uh, both myself and my husband, Phil, um, had joined together to do another happy accident in our life. Um, the book was was pretty much conceived online uh i had been posting was a little bit earlier on um, for us to be involved in facebook posting pictures and putting it out there for you know my friends and family to see what i was doing in my work and my husband has um, a life coaching uh, practice he's very involved with healing and helping people get through their um you know troubled times transitions happy times you know uh what whatever whatever the issue is and he's been um sort of recording his feelings about uh people dealing with their own issues people going through transitions people going through emotions and uh his writings are, are are quite um are quite transformative in a way, and he was posting his stuff on Facebook as well. And you know, Facebook evolved to where you know you always you know had to start posting your you know words with images. You know, mm-hmm. it was like the next thing to do on Facebook. And he started using stock photos because we all see those little you know sort of um, inspirational quotes that people would put out there, and started doing it with stock photos, and then um one just one day he saw my my photo uh that i had put up of one of my pastel paintings and said wow i think i'm going to pair that with one of my statements he went ahead and did that and like the immediate response was from a couple of our friends was wow that's sort of awesome it's you know your words elise's uh art and you know this this can be a book (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those sort of like little light bulb moments um, and bearing in mind that my background was in design and production and printing, this this all just fell together um, for us very, very naturally. Mm-hmm. And we worked on it for about a year. We gathered all of the artwork that we wanted to use. We went through a lot, a lot of um, writings of statements that Phil had. uh, And the first thing we needed to do was we just sort of gathered it together into some sort of cohesive way and started to organize the process of the writings and how they were going to flow. And we came up with this emotional scale of, of just letting go and then how that would sort of work its way into a sense of wisdom. And the words just flowed. Um, the paintings were then paired with each of the writings, and some of them are very clear. They have sort of reference to maybe something in the painting, but others are a little bit more abstract. Um, but, but we liked it, and that's you what know, <laughs> we went with. And the book came out. It's called Messages to the Heart. It's over a year now that the book has come out and um we just we're very, very, very grateful and proud of the piece. Um people respond to it. It's like people find this book. If they need it, they are drawn to it, they find it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's very funny because I watch this day in and day out in the in the um gallery. Um I have the book sitting out there and the people that need to find it pick it up mm-hmm. and they they flip through and something is usually very sort of, um, initial, you know sort of a response responsive about what they're reading and how they feel mm-hmm. and it's just really um, it's really amazing to see and to see how people are affected by it.
0: Yeah, it's really great how that was just like you said a happy accident and organic mm-hmm. meeting of his words, your paintings and that people are responding like that. And you have some stories about that, I understand.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it, just from just uh from when I have been in the studio here to to see it. I have had people who are going through healing that that pick it up a woman had actually come in here um a few weeks ago um that was going through um the loss of her sister and she was with a group of people and they just They first they, first she responded to a painting that i that I had and there was a um a just an initial attraction to... There was something about the painting that attracted her um, to it, made her think of her sister, made her feel sort of a sense of um, closure, that she knew that her sister was in a good place now, and that that plus the book, when they started to read some of the passages in the book just offered this group um a real beautiful sense of healing and closure on their situation and uh it was very it was just very emotional Mm
0: -hmm. it was just
1: very emotional to be part of that
0: i was going to ask what is that like for you as the artist have had that kind of impact on
1: people right um well i mean it's 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 actually, it's the, probably the most rewarding part of being an artist to know that, um, for me, that my work is serving as this sense of, you know, this sense of healing or this sense of, um, allowing people to, um, I guess relate, relate to it in a way that makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. In a sense, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense to you, it me. does make
0: sense. It's yeah. quite an honor to be in that position too, to right. be the ones who have helped them like
1: that. Right, right, and um, you know, you know, people don't always express what is attracting them to, you know, a piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're able to, you know, be in an environment like this where you do get that feedback. You know, people like you know, people are, are expressing their, um, their pain in a sense. Like one woman came in and she said, "I'm here on holiday." The first thing that happened to me was I fell and I hurt my knee, mm. and I've been now going through a whole healing process with my knee before I go home. And she said, and I, I, she said she walked in here and she, into the gallery, and she felt an immediate sense of of sort of calming and soothingness and healing. And she picked up the book Mm -hmm. once again, (laughs) and she started reading it, and she was so taken with it. And she, you know, she's also a yoga teacher. So she said that the fact that her knee has been, you know in this- you know in this particular condition has not allowed her to like really fully participate in in what she does and 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 teaching, so she's you know so she was just so taken by it, and she's like, "I need to buy this book because it's making me feel just you know good and it's making me feel just like." You know, my my time has come. I'm going to go back, I'm going to heal, I'm going to use your book in my, in my yoga classes. you know, I'm going to open up the sessions with this, and I'm going to try to, you know spread that sense of healing to, to my students. And I, I was like, "Wow, that sounds good to me." Yeah, that's that sounds great. really good to me. So you know, that, that is the beauty of being here for me. I mean, being able to obviously create um, is something I can do anywhere. But having that, that one-on-one with people is, is, is just nice, yes. really nice.
0: Thank you. That's a great example. Thank you. And I almost wonder if... Okay, so I have this book and, <laughs> that we're talking about. And I almost wonder if at different parts of your life, you could flip it open... And read what you need to read. Or at different parts of your life, different ones will jump out at you, I would think. Like, um, is it okay for me to read part of one of them?
1: Yeah. I okay? love that. Sure. Okay,
0: great. Because This is the one for me. Um, it's the title is Feeling Alive and it says in the presence of aliveness, creative ideas happen spontaneously. They don't need to be forced. Find that place that makes you feel alive and spend time there. The answers will come. And it is paired with a beautiful painting that you did of um, an ocean scene with a cliff and flowers again in the foreground. And I that one just stopped me in my tracks. And I think it's because of doing this show and ideas like you said mm-hmm. or like your husband said ideas are just flowing through me and things are coming to me and it just that quote is the one for me that fits my life right now wow. and yeah. i i just wonder about okay when i'm in a different stage of life will i flip this book open and find the next one that's going to um inspire me and make my experience feel validated i
1: think that's what that one did for me so i thank you for that wow yeah that's that's wonderful and i i think it is an interesting thing um that we notice and that's why i actually even prompt people to just just you know run your fingers through the pages and just stop where you feel you need to and read the passage mm-hmm. because uh you know whatever the uh you know uh forces might be it takes you to the place that you need to be
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah there's a lot of passages in there and they do go through a whole emotional scale but each person finds the one that speaks to them Mm -hmm. at this present moment Mm -hmm. yes and yes
0: i you know when i got that book I just knew that would be one that would stay in my life <laughs> and I would
1: go through life with it, right, yeah, right, and, and I think it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting one because I think um I think that we might be at a point where we might know that, but other others do not, so they don't know where that space is necessarily that might really get their juices going, mm. Mm-hmm. So for someone else, it might that might be. Oh, it might get them thinking. Well, where is that for me? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, you know, down the street at a coffee shop, or is it by the ocean, or is it in the mountains? Mm-hmm. You know. And for for us, it might be. Oh, I know exactly where that is, and I'm there now, and I'm gonna relish in it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Right. So different. Yeah. People will interpret the passages differently, depending on their experience and where they are at. I see. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, cool. Well, why don't we um, mention your husband's website as well as yours, so that he's, you know, been a big part of this, and you mentioned his business, so why don't we talk about your website and his website?
1: Sure. So, um, uh, we have numerous websites. Um, my website as an artist is um my name, so it's Elise Okrin.com. The book itself um has its own website and blog, so that would be messages messages to the heart.com. Phil um as a life coach, his uh website would go under stepping stonescoaching.com and else do we have any others
0: your card company
1: oh yeah <laughs> and that's mixed blessing just mixed blessing no s at the end dot com great name <laughs> yeah it's, it's awesome
0: okay and i didn't realize the book had its own i have to look for that
1: yeah and you are on face you can be found on facebook too sure yeah, right. under Elise Oakran Pastel Artist, I have a page where I um, where I just post a lot of my work that I'm doing, any inspirations that come to me, um, as well as also uh, many events and upcoming shows that I'm going to be in. So oh. that's Elise Oakran Pastel Artist, and you can just find that through, you know, Facebook search Great. as well. And we also have the Messages to the Heart page on Facebook. So you can just you know backslash messages to the heart. Okay, great.
0: We'll look for that. Awesome. Yeah. And is there anything I didn't give you a chance to talk about that you would like to talk about to round out this discussion of your art and your backgrounds?
1: I just invite anybody to come down to the um, gallery in the studio space and. to also just contact me in general if you'd just like to discuss art and or experiences in the River Arts District as well and or my background and experience. I just welcome anybody to do that. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That's Mm. great. All right. So, I think that is all I had. So... Mm -hmm. Thank you again so much. This yeah, has been wonderful. This has
1: been. I want to thank you also for what you're doing. I think it's um, a wonderful uh, way to help artists and to also experience meeting different people. I think it's awesome.
0: Thank you. It's really, yeah, awesome. it's really fun. <laughs> really fun. And I'm glad I got to know you today and yeah. in, in our prior conversations. Yeah, appreciate uh, it. Elise, thank you for having me back again. Uh, As you know, I listened to your interview after the fact, after we met last time, and became really interested to ask you some more questions about your greeting card company and how that came about. So you were so gracious to give me more of your time and say yes. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Okay. So I realize that a lot of artists, a lot of us do sell greeting cards. We sell greeting cards of our own work, but you and your husband took that one step further when you actually created a company around it. And so that just really struck me. And I wonder if you would tell us how you did that. And you told us last time how the idea came about, but Maybe some of the nuts and bolts of, like, did you have connections or did you have to learn a lot to do that, seek out a lot of um, connections? How did that come about?
1: Sure. Um, I think it's um, probably um, two different courses of action that that we needed to take. And one of them I had a lot of connections with. So I had been working in advertising, printing, and design. So, there was a very, very natural way for me to be able to take what I was doing, the card designs, the ideas, and turn them into actual physical product. Uh, I had connections with um, printers, with distribution houses, um, and sort of the infrastructure of what I needed for the business. Mm -hmm. What we didn't have and what we knew nothing about at all (laughs) was now that you have a product, well, how do you get that out to the market? How do you, you know, get sales? How do you get exposure? Um, and, um, you know, and how do you, you know, continue to grow as, as a business. So, um, it was really, it's, it really happened over a, cor- a course of many, many years, first of all. But what we were able to do is we were living in um, New York City, Big metropolitan area, lots of stores. So, the first thing that we were able to do was actually create prototypes of the cards. So, once again, very easy for me, art design background. Um, This was way back when you could actually Mm -hmm. uh, physically, you know, go out and do a color copy, and then, you know, I actually pasted them on cards. You know, I didn't have the The actual ability to, like, you know, just print them off my printer Mm -hmm. um, at the time, but um, we made we made a prototype. So we came up with the designs, made prototypes, and really, in a very, very, very old-fashioned way, just took the product and my husband, who is really um, a a lot more um, outgoing than I was and a lot more uh, of a people person, Mm -hmm. just. He just picked up and he just walked into stores, started with some of the ones locally near where we were living at the time, but then branched into this, you know, down into the city and the boroughs and started to, you know, to start really favorable, um, you know, responses. So with that, with the sales though, um, there's sort of a lot of, I guess, infrastructure that goes along with the sale. So that was very much clerical and very much, um, you know, sort of a, a typical sales process that mm-hmm. we had to learn and incorporate and how we were going to be able to do that. So it was a matter of, you know, generating, um, well, the name we had, we had our company name, but then how did we want that to be presented? So there was a whole sort of logo sort of Image branding idea. Then with that, it was like, okay, now we need just, you know, simple things like at the time, stationery and, um, invoices and packing slips and pricing structures. And, you know, you can just go down the line as to, um, as to what you need. And with that, you know, it was also like how we were going to physically do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and where. Mm-hmm. So, of course, just like a lot of other small businesses, you know, our dining room became our little sales office. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to the point where we were doing everything by hand, um, I mean, we had small lots of the cards actually physically printed, but we were then going in and hand counting, collating with the envelopes, putting them in poly bags, and then, you know, delivering them or shipping them, Mm -hmm. um, to the individual stores. And, you know, it just, it was a slow process, but it started to build, it started to build. And I think in the greeting card business, and it's still very, very much true. If you're selling to stores, um, you know, uh, across the country that that there are some main, like, sales venues, you know, outlets and venues. So there, at the time, we decided that we would start to do some of the larger trade shows, Mm -hmm. Um, one being the National Stationery Show, because that was one of the biggest ones at the time, and it was also in New York, so it was a very natural thing to do. And then, um, and then through that, and then through just being in the industry, and through um, uh, just talking with the store owners, we started to get sales reps in other parts of the country that um, we couldn't, you know, physically be in, mm-hmm. and um, and that and that worked to help you know expand and to grow mm-hmm. um, what we were doing. So. Okay.
0: Let me ask you a question about the very initial when your husband, with his conviction in your product, went into the stores for the first time. Right. What kind of stores was he targeting at that time? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, basically, it was your small mom-and-pop greeting card store. Okay. And at the time, they were plentiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can't say it's it's, it's necessarily... um, you know where it was when we first started you know that whole industry has shifted um but um you know he would just go like on uh you know just do searches you know for local stores in each town and you know in each borough and Mm -hmm.
0: so truly places where he could form a actual one-on-one relationship with the people who were running the store making the decisions that kind of thing right Right.
1: So, you know, at times he would call and try to make appointments, which, you know, would happen, but at other times he would just walk in, too, and, you know, leave. If he couldn't speak with someone directly, he would leave, like, a catalog we had, or a sales sheet at the time. We just had, like, a Mm one-page sheet with just the designs on it, and I think they were even black and white at the time. And then we would leave a color card sample or something and some pricing information and you know and you know it was a very receptive uh business environment Mm -hmm. when we first started Mm -hmm. so um you know we were able to really make a lot of headway Mm -hmm. yeah
0: it might be different if someone were starting today
1: i i think it is i think it is different i think that um, first, in a few different ways, um, I think the business environment has changed. I also think that there's also, um, in, in certain instances, a push just to like deal with uh, like some of the bigger vendors. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays, there's, um, there's a lot more competition for, for shelf space, and there's also the bigger companies have worked it so that, They sort of either own the space or they manage the space. And they have constant deals and, you know, return policies and and and, and things that make it a little bit more difficult for a smaller business to to manage. Mm -hmm. So do you
0: license with them? How does that work? Or do you contract with the companies that are kind of have the larger, I don't want to use the word monopoly, but...
1: Well, it, unless that you... how you do it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a couple... I mean, unless you can, you know, if you want to sell your designs to them, I mean, that's one way of working it so that they're out in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, um you just have to really do your own thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so the companies, I want to make sure I'm following, the companies that kind of have gotten big and or kind of have a lot of space in these mm-hmm. places, mm-hmm. Um, that is your
1: competition or you work through them? No, it's pretty much it's your, your direct competition. competition. Okay. I mean, especially if you have a general type of line of cards. I mean, ours was a very niche-specific card line. Very. And that's what kept us really alive because most of the bigger companies didn't care about first they didn't even know about it. But then after they knew that we had like this niche of Christmas and Hanukkah cards, they really in some cases didn't really pay attention to it or care about it because it was a small niche mm-hmm. even though it was viable. Mm-hmm. And for us it was it was fine. But for them it was it was like Okay, maybe we'll add a card or two, you know, like that, which okay. happens in many cases, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't something that they felt that they, um, needed to, like, push out in a sense, or, you know, that, that, yeah, you know, that really was um, an issue for them. Mm-hmm. They weren't
0: really responding. They didn't really have a real need to respond to it. So right. you were able to continue directly Correct. working with who you sold to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we Okay. always have. So never licensed, always through your company. That's what you're saying. Correct. Okay. So you went to the
1: convention,
0: and mm-hmm. how did that change the way things got distributed, what happened there.
1: Yeah, well, that was really, um, for many years, that was a, a very big source of our sales because um, it's like a four-day oh. convention. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, buyers from all across the country had a little bit more freedom with travel and, and costs. And um, it, was, um, it was a very... I'd say popular, or for mo- for for a lot of businesses, it was in like sort of a necessity. It was a, like a one-stop shopping. They would come, they would go to the stationery show, and they would do like a good portion of their years buying there mm-hmm. because there were just so many vendors. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, over the years, it's 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 dwindled a bit, and I think most of it is just because of cost mm-hmm. um, for the vendors coming in. Um, where it just wasn't quite um, cost effective, I think, anymore. And also because of the web and the mm-hmm. fact that everybody went online and put their catalogs out online. Mm-hmm. And it became that much easier for them to sit in their office and just, you know, choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be on their site and have access to all those different companies. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's just that was that's just been a big shift, I think.
0: And do you still do the convention or do you do the online catalog primarily? It is your
1: Well right do? now, I mean our business has shifted over the years and right now we don't even deal with retail stores. Uh-huh. So our business is completely online and completely to, you know, individual buyers.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that yeah. okay, yeah, so people learn of you and want your product for their own use. They don't have to go to a store or figure out who right. where they can find it right. They find it on your site
1: right, so we've built up based on all the stores that we've had over the past. we've built up a you know clientele from that, mm-hmm. plus now we just have people coming in through just or you know just through search. Engine, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. optimization. I mean, we've built our sites so that people looking for our particular cards will easily find us. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been good for us because it's, it's sort of pared down a lot of the business end of it, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, dealing with the stores and dealing with uh, the paperwork that's involved in that, the shipping, the terms, um, just after a while, just didn't work as well for us.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't any longer have to keep up with all that. Who's paid you? Who owes Correct. you? Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So are you, the two of you, do you fulfill the
1: orders or do you have employees? How are you handling that? Everything is is contracted out. So, um, the cards are printed. Um, it's been a long-standing printer that I use up in Minnesota and the collation facility is located right near there. So the way we run our operation is that it's sort of main, it's sort of streamlined in a sense. I mean, we get an order in online. Mm -hmm. From there, the order is input into our business system mm-hmm. and then the order is then sent emailed to our collation facility. They do all the collation, you know, pack and ship. Sounds pretty simple. Done. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if someone were interested in having their own card company now. Mm-hmm. Is, what would you suggest to them? Would you suggest that they keep it all in house, online like that, or would you suggest they go out and get their product into stores and make connections in the beginning?
1: What would you? Yeah, think? I mean, I think it's really the. I, I, I think actually that's a very personal um, choice. I mean, there. It's a very. It's a very different. Um, it's very different ways to go because there are some people that also just print on demand. So in other words, if they have a particular card design, I mean, there's a number of sites now where one, like Etsy, where they can physically produce it and ship it out themselves, you know, the the artist or designer. Um, But then there are also sites like Greeting Card Universe, where you all you do is upload your image, and then they take it from there. Now, there's very little return on that. But, I mean, it's a way to possibly, you know, get your, get yourself going and, or maybe build a following or, you know, or, or, or just use it as, um, yeah, just use it as a source. If you're interested in, in building your own company, then once again, I mean, you certainly can make all attempts to get out there and, you know, contact stores um, and definitely go to a larger, you know, one of the larger gifts and stationery shows and, um, you know, and, and get yourself started in that way. Now, it, it, you know, there's a lot, it, take, it takes a lot of resources to do these shows, but it can be f- quite um, fruitful if, um, you know, if you're at that point. Mm-hmm. It can be a good point. investment. It can be a very good investment. Yeah. I mean, I'm a really big, um, advocate of test marketing. So I would, I would say to anybody, you know, get your cards done small, you know, just, just to start. Get them, get something done, um, where you can, or somebody you know can physically take them to a store or even a local art show, you know, start selling them there and see, you know, what are the, what are the responses? What are you getting sales? Are they like, are people just like wowing about them or, you know, or is it, you know, something that it's like, Oh, you know, that's, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Make sure that you have, yeah. Something worth pursuing that your yeah, audience I, is interested in. I, I think so. That's
1: a good point. You know, and nowadays yeah. there's so many easy ways to reproduce cards, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it all depends on what, you know, what you do. I mean, there's a big market. I'll tell you, I think from my perspective, one of the bigger markets for greeting cards are handmade cards. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. Yeah. You know, that's where I think people are willing to like put a little extra money to get like a really special card that's almost maybe even like a gift type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, sort of doubles for both in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it, it really depends on, you know, where you're coming from and what you wanna, you know, what you want to mm-hmm. do with it.
0: Right, you know? right. Well, that's all really good advice and, I think I have one last question, unless there's anything else you would like to say. Well, maybe I have two. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you do it, where your distribution comes from Minnesota, mm-hmm. do you ever have to do anything about quality control? Do you ever get some of your cards to come here that you can check on them and how they're Oh, definitely. Printing. They
1: have to be here first before they're, re- you know, I always get samples of the cards be- before they're released because there's been numerous times when there's things that I have noticed about a particular design or um, I've had times when they've used the wrong... Color on the ink mm-hmm. for the type on the inside. So yes, I definitely do. I always have a, a, um, a certain supply of each of the cards that we produce here mm-hmm. um, in, in Asheville. I also, it's part of my business since it's holiday cards is that I also offer a personalization service. So if somebody wants their family name in the card or oh. a company name, mm-hmm. um, we can Provide them with that. Okay. We do that here. Okay. So I will have, yeah, I personally like to oversee that. I'm very particular about how it looks and the right typeface and how it's centered. Mm -hmm. Still (laughs) the artist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and these are like, you know, these are um, a card that people are investing in. When they're going to do that type of work, they're investing in it. And it should look and be, you know, as wonderful as it, as it is. And they're sending it out, you know, as a holiday, um, you know, greeting. And of course, you know, you want it to be the highest quality it can be. Sure. sure. So I feel a little protective about that part of my business. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sure your customers
0: appreciate that yeah, about you. So here we are, it is August. We are having this discussion about mm-hmm. holiday cards realistically if somebody does want the personalization mm-hmm. what kind of lead time do you need is it time for them to get on that now or?
1: well it's actually what i'm doing right now is by next week on blessingcom uh, i will have my new um designs ready and and up um for ordering we probably won't start shipping until mid-september mm-hmm. uh personalization Usually takes, um, once they order, they're usually getting it a little over, a little over a week Mm -hmm. later, depending also on the quantity. We will do anything from 50 cards personalized to up to a thousand, you know, if we, if, if we need be. So it'll depend also, um, on the size of the order. Okay. But, But really, I mean, roughly, I'd say within, Seven days, to seven to nine days, they'll, they'll receive it. Okay. Receive so they still have time. <laughs>
0: Plenty of time. That's mm-hmm. good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you would like to say?
1: No, it's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And I'm yeah, sure. feel free if, if anybody would like to contact me about how to get started mm-hmm. or about what I've, what I've been, you know, what I've done with my card business, feel free to contact me through um, mixblessing.com. Okay. Um, and I'd be more than happy to help.
0: Thank you. I actually got curious about it partly because I have a friend who's been kicking around the idea. So if she ever gets to that point, I will have her come see you. <laughs> no problem. So let's say that website one more time to make sure people know. So it's Mixed Blessing. No S at the end. <laughs> so dot mixed com. Mixed Correct. Okay. Love that name. Okay. Thank you, Elise. Thanks again for listening to Elise's episode. If you head over to the show notes at localhearted.com slash Elise Oakrand, you will see examples of Elise's paintings that she has available for sale. For some of them, there are prints available, and they are so noted. Also in the show notes, you will find links to the sites mentioned during the interview, including Elise's own art website, her husband Phil's coaching business website, the website and business page for Mixed Blessing, and their website and Facebook page for the Meditations to the Heart book. Elise's upcoming shows include Art in the Park this Saturday, October fifteenth, two 2016 at Pack Square. On November 11th and 13th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., is the River Arts District Studio Stroll, and Elise is participating in that event. She will also be participating in the Wedge Building Show on Friday, December 9th, 2016, from 4 to 7 p.m., where each artist is creating a small, gifts sized piece of work for the show. So, we hope that you will make it to meet Elise at one of those events. Okay, don't forget to send me the news of your holiday shows. And until next week, this is Meredith Adler for the Local Hearted Podcast. And the podcast theme music is courtesy of and copyrighted by Jamie Noter Thomas.